Welcome back to On Call, a podcast from Amerisaurus Bergen, where we discuss the latest industry information relevant to our GPO member practices. In this episode, the first of our GPO legislative update series, Joel White, President and CEO of Horizon Government Affairs, and Tony Lee discuss three important policy trends impacting physicians, Medicare payments, drugs slash biologics, and disparities slash SDOH. We're here today to talk about the 2023 agenda in Washington, where we're at with healthcare and where we're heading. And it's been a lot of busy times for practices and folks with cancer and those treating cancer patients. So I want to jump right into it and talk a little bit about what we're seeing in the landscape, the changed political environment, and how that may play out in terms of Medicare, telehealth, prescription drugs, and other issues. But first, I would just like to introduce myself. My name is Joel White. I'm the president of Horizon Government Affairs. We're a bipartisan company located in Washington, D.C. We've been doing our work since 2007, and we're very good at advocacy, education, policy development. Before I founded Horizon Government Affairs, I was the staff director at the House Ways and Means Committee, and specifically the Health Subcommittee, where I helped write nine laws, including the law that created Medicare Part D, and health savings accounts. Also did a number of changes to how uh, physicians, hospitals, post-acute care institutions are paid in the Medicare program and helped develop and produce 100 different hearings on different topics. But most of that focus was in the Medicare program. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on that today. But before we get into it, I wanted to talk about what's the environment, because the environment helps produce the output or the the product on the, on on healthcare, and so obviously we had an election in November, and that ended one party rule in D.C., where Democrats controlled the presidency, the Senate, and the the House. Senate Democrats retained control of the chamber. Obviously, it flipped with one seat difference in Pennsylvania, where Senator Pat Toomey lost that, uh, retired, and Senator John Fetterman won the seat. But uh, that has changed the the how the senate operates in significant ways and so unlike last year the majority can operate more independently of the other party so last year was a 50 50 split basically the committee chairs and the top republican had to agree on hearings as topics for hearings witnesses things like that now with an absolute majority in the senate uh, they control the cadence and the tempo and the issues that will be raised so for example Senator Bernie Sanders, who many of you may know, uh, Democrat, uh, independent from Vermont, who caucuses with the Democrats, is chairing the health committee, and uh, he gets to determine whatever the agenda is. And so obviously he's got a lot of ideas about where we should go in health care, and we would expect that to be a big part of his agenda this year as part of the Senate agenda. Next in the House, this was where one-party rule ended, and, and the House... Uh, was taken by the Republicans in 2022, and they immediately instituted new new changes to the the rules of the operating playbook for the House. That's going to change how legislation gets brought up, and it's going to have a big impact on Medicare in, in particular. So the big rule change that will affect Medicare is called uh, cut go. Some of you may, may be familiar with pay go. Pay go is a rule that says, if I increase spending on Medicare, I've got to either cut spending somewhere else in the federal budget, or I've got to raise taxes. 
What Cutco says is that if I increase spending in Medicare, say on physician payments, I've got to cut spending in Medicare. So it's got to be within that program to offset the increased spending wherever I'm doing it. Republicans also made it very difficult to increase taxes, requiring a three-fifths majority in the House, and all tax bills originate in the House. So anything that kind of goes through the legislative process for the next two years is going to be very difficult to raise taxes. And um, of course, Republicans are now setting uh, the policy and oversight agenda, and we're expecting a lot of oversight, particularly around COVID and pandemic, but also some political issues But the good news is we're expecting oversight on the Medicare program, and I think that will extend to the macro program and how that's working out for physicians um, and others. The other point I'd like to make here is that this isn't your father's Republican Party. Uh, This is a new Republican Party, and I would say in some respects along the lines of Trump, very populist, but they're also increasingly against big business. They're pro-small business and pro, um, pro-little pro guy. So it's it's not lost on me that the new chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, Jason Smith, uh, held his first hearing in West Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C., with four small business owners to get input into what do you care about? And so to the extent that you think of your practice as a small business or not a large business like Amazon or something like that, um, that gets you traction in the House with Republicans as you make your case for the challenges that you see going forward. So what's the outlook? What, what are we talking about in terms of the timeline? Uh, you can see here kind of from where we're at today to the end of the year. First of all, just start off with there's a different want to do list between the House and the Senate because there's different parties in the Senate. We're going to experience a a debt limit. Uh, We're coming up against the debt limit and we're running out of time to raise that debt limit so that we can continue to meet our obligations. The Senate wants a clean debt limit and the House really wants a debt limit with spending reforms and spending reductions. Now, both parties have said they want to take Medicare off the table for those discussions, which means theoretically no Medicare cuts as part of the debt limit. But Medicare isn't off the table until the deal is done. So we're continuing to keep our eye on that. Throughout the year, I think the big big significant events are that on May 11th, uh, the Biden administration announced the public health emergency related to COVID will end. And that will trigger a series of cascading policy changes that could impact practices. And we'll get to that in a minute. But secondly, the debt limit, we hit the debt limit back in a couple of weeks ago. Treasury then uses extraordinary measures to move payments around and things like that. So really, Congress is going to have to pass a statutory increase in the debt limit sometime this summer, between June and September. And that could be a big package. Like I said, it could include Medicare. We're not expecting it to, but it will definitely have to get raised. Otherwise, bad things could happen. Our debt could be downgraded. We could, you know, not pay our bills and our obligations. The country, the economy could, you know, go into a tailspin. But by September 30th, we do expect that's the end of the fiscal year. There will be a reauthorization of some public health programs and a hard look at what happened during COVID, some of the lessons learned, and what we need to change from a policy level to be better prepared in the future. Uh, Community health centers, the federal law that funds and authorizes that program also expires, and that will have to be reauthorized so that community health centers can continue to operate in providing essential services. 
And then in December, we are looking at a 4% PAYGO cut, unless it's PAYGO sequestration is complex, but that's been waived through 2025. But the dollars spent in 2023 will add to the total uh, for 2025 and later. And um, of course, on the regulatory side, we're expecting the Medicare physician fee schedule payment rule to be issued, usually comes out in June, July, August timeframe. Uh, final rule comes out around the beginning of no November. And every year we're looking at cuts, particularly in the conversion factor. And that tends to generate congressional interest in avoiding those cuts. And there were some successes in 2022 that we'll talk about um, in a little bit. So as I mentioned, the public health emergency expires. It expires on May 11th. And there are certain things that will immediately end and certain things that will end at the end of the year. And then there's certain, certain things that will end probably at some point in the future. For the things that end immediately, it's primarily access to free tests and aid coverage of services and testing, vaccines, et cetera, but also the DEA permission to prescribe controlled substances without an in-person visit might be of interest to folks on this webinar. After that, on December 31st, the big issue is that the enhanced federal funding for state Medicaid programs will end. And throughout this year, what we're going to see is states reaching out to people who are enrolled in Medicaid to figure out, are you still eligible for the program? And if you're not, they're required to disenroll them throughout the year. And so that could be a big number. That could be as many as 15, maybe 20 million people up to some estimates and that could cause some disruption in coverage. Some people may have moved on, they've gotten spousal coverage or gone to an employer, but some people could fall through the cracks and be uninsured. And so you could have more people showing up in your practices who lack coverage, who may need a sum as finding coverage or need assistance in paying their, their bills. Um, and then just did a number of things in the public health in last year to extend certain flexibilities, particularly around telehealth, that were authorized during the public health emergency. And so under law, those flexibilities don't expire until the end of 2024. So Congress saw the experience of what happened and how physicians were using telehealth to fill gaps and reach out to patients. And they've extended those flexibilities in Medicare through that timeframe. In particular, the site of service requirement and the geographic, you could only provide in rural areas. And now that's anywhere and nursement for some of those subspecialties, clinicians. The other big one is audio-only services and um, allowing that, of course, subject to Medicare program requirements. But I know for a lot of seniors, the audio-only services is something that they value because they don't necessarily have a smartphone or something that's video-enabled. So that will all last until the end of 2024. And I would suspect Congress would have a big interest in continuing those flexibilities past that point. So as we think about 2023, we want to think about what do I have to do and what do I want to do? And so the must-do things I've already hit on, that's that PAPA or public health reauthorization that relates to what did we learn during COVID and what do we need to do to be better prepared going forward? These are issues related to vaccines, vaccine education program, testing, treatment, stockpile and readiness with PPE and other things, supply chain issues and how we're getting product from point A to point B when we need to on time and wherever there's a gap, 
uh, things like that. That program, that law expires at the end of September, and Congress is right now already holding hearings on how we can improve our public health response uh, going forward. I would say a big issue there is the reporting requirements and how are we collecting data for public health? Can we turn that around back to physicians so that they can also benefit from additional insights into what's going on in their area, in their practices with their patients? I mentioned the debt limit. Like I said, that has to be done. Creations are the government funds that fund all the programs and that end of the fiscal year is September 30th. There's a strong desire, unlike last year, to get things handled before September 30th. Whether that plays out in Congress or not remains to be seen. And there's a number of expiring provisions in Medicare and Medicaid that have to be done. Otherwise, those programs go away. So, for example, the low-income DISH program. So, Congress, we would expect at least to take up Medicare in that context. Now, the want-to-do side is more about agenda setting and messaging and trying to get things done, like, say, around ending vaccine mandates like the House passed in January. Whether that makes it to, through a Democrat Senate uh, or, you know, for, if the bill is coming from the Senate to the Republican House and then on to the president is is really difficult to say. I mean, I think there's a lot of partisanship in Washington and getting a lot done on any of these issues is going to be very difficult over the next two years. So we are expecting a lot of messaging type bills and a lot of posturing, but there's also a lot of problems. And so there's a, a deep desire to, to address some of these things and figuring out where the fault lines are in a bipartisan way. That's all for this episode of On Call. Our next episode will feature information on drug coverage, pricing, and payments. If you have any questions for our guests or have a topic you would like to learn more about, email us at oncallgpo at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and thanks for listening.